Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. I'm excited about today. There's a couple of people from my gym that showed up today. One of my doctors, my physical therapist is here today. So I feel like I got to be on my game because I, <laughs> I got to see these people during the week. So thank you for coming on out. We appreciate it. We are coming down the home stretch of this series that we've been in called More Like You. And what we've been doing is we've just devo devoted an entire summer to life change. Scripture says that when you become a Christian, or as we like to put it, when you say yes to Jesus, what happens is the Holy Spirit enters your life, takes up residence in your heart, and begins to work inside of you to make you look more like Jesus, more like you. Now, the evidence of this life change in our lives is what's called the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul defines the fruits like this. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as I've been saying every week, the best way to kind of think about these individual fruits is to think of them as though they are the qualities of Christ. These are the, the characteristics that Jesus would have exemplified when he walked this earth 2,000 years ago. Now, scripture's clear. Only God can produce these fruits in our lives, but we have a responsibility. And our responsibility is to cultivate them. And so each week, what we've been doing is just diving into individual fruits, finding out what scripture has to say about them. And then we're learning how we can partner with God to cultivate them in our lives and begin to implement these qualities in our day-to-day -day life. So today I want to turn our attention to faithfulness. Now, <clears throat> to be faithful means to be reliable, trustworthy, dependable, and consistent. And I hate to even say this, but faithfulness is actually a very rare quality in this world. Proverbs asks the question, who can find a faithful man? Now, I gotta be honest with you, I'm not sure I'm in love with this particular translation because it sounds like something, you know, a woman who's been burned a couple of times might say. And I, like, I'm pretty sure I've actually had this conversation with like twice today with some of our volunteers. So I found a better version that I think captures the essence of what Solomon was trying to get at here. He said, everybody talks about how loyal and faithful he is, but just try to find someone who really is. Meaning, it's not easy to find someone that you can really count on. They might say they can be counted on, but when push comes to shove, they let you down. So Paul says, you gotta be faithful. Why? Why should we be faithful? Well, one reason is because God is faithful. If you've been here since the beginning of this series, you've heard this pattern almost every single week. We are to love because God loves. We're to be kind because God is kind. We're to be patient because God is patient. And today, we are to be faithful because God is faithful. In Psalm 33, we read that the Lord is faithful in all he does. And since God's desire is for us to be more like him, he wants us to learn how to be more faithful. Now, another reason that we should be faithful is because faithfulness really makes life easier. When you look at the root cause of so many of the issues in our life, many times what you'll uncover is unfaithfulness. Proverbs says that trusting unfaithful people when you're in trouble is like eating with a broken tooth or walking with a crippled foot. In other words, unreliable people are just a pain, right? Like a broken tooth, like a bad foot. It just makes everything in your life harder than it should be. Isn't it true that when you're dealing with an unreliable person, you can never quite relax? 
Like in the back of your mind, you're always like, are they going to be late again? You know, like, will they remember to pick this up? Will they remember to pick that up? Can I count on them to get this done or to do this? Working with unfaithful, inconsistent people is extremely frustrating. Now, here's the thing. They have every excuse in the book, don't they? It's like, there's always a reason why they couldn't do what they said they were going to do. But enough about them. Let's just talk about you for a second, because that's why you're here. Do you have a reputation for being a reliable person? Do you ever even think about that? That there are people out there right now, maybe sitting next to you, who hold an opinion about you as to whether you are reliable. So would those people who know you well, would they stake their lives on your faithfulness? Let me just say this. You, you, you might be talented. You might be educated. You might be creative. But if you are not dependable, your talents really are not worth much. There's a very old-time pastor who once said that the greatest ability is dependability. One of the things that I've learned about South Florida, and I've been down here for about 20 years now, particularly when it comes to kind of the workplace, the, the, uh, is that if you just show up, you're ahead of the game, okay? Like if you just consistently show up to do your job on time, you're ahead of like 80% of your competition. If your employers or your clients or your customers can depend on you to be there, if they know you will be faithful in your commitments, you will excel in South Florida. A faithfulness reaches into almost every aspect of our life. So what I want to do today is I want to cast a broad net. And I want to show you five things that you can do. And there's a million things you could do. But five things from Scripture that you can do to develop the faithfulness, the fruit of faithfulness in your life. So the first thing that we can do to develop our faithfulness is you can keep your promises. Nice and simple. In Proverbs, we read, people who promise to give gifts but never give them are like clouds and wind that bring no rain. You know people like this? Like they, they, they make these promises, but they never keep them. It's like a, a whole lot of talk, not a lot of action. They say things like, oh, I'm planning to, right? I'm going to, sure. And they never do. According to scripture, we must be careful about the promises that we make. Do you ever tell someone, hey, I'll give you a call back, and then you ghost them? Do you ever, do you ever say things like, hey, the check is in the mail? Check's not in the mail. <laughs> Check's in your checkbook still, okay? Or we talked about this last week. We'll say things like, hey, uh, I will definitely pray for you. And then we just completely forget to pray for that person. Scripture says you got to keep your word. I love what Solomon says here. An impulsive vow is a trap. Later, you'll wish you could get out of it. This week, I saw a meme on Instagram that perfectly just captures the essence of what Solomon is driving at here. It says, man spends whole day dreading fun activity he signed up for. Okay? Can I get an amen on this one? <laughs> like, you know, listen, you make plans with your friends, and then the day arrives, and you're like, I wish I had not made those plans at all. Okay? You love your friends. They're great people. You'd do anything for them. But the thought of actually having to take a shower pick out an outfit, ladies, washing your hair. I know the story. And then you have to actually leave the house. Oh, it's too much to bear. I can't even, okay? Which is why I always say the best plans are canceled ones, okay? Put that on my tombstone. There is nothing better in this world than when your friend texts you, hey, listen, I hate to do this to you, but can we reschedule? Oh, thank God. Yes, for like never. <laughs> Let's just not, Okay. Thank you, Jesus, Lord above. All joking aside, broken promises are a problem. 
It's why scripture says it is better not to make a promise at all than to make a promise and not keep it. Do you know what the number, this is the number one, the number one problem in parent-child relationships is? Resentment. And the number one cause of resentment is a broken promises. Parent said they would do something and they didn't. They said they would be there and they weren't. Which makes you wonder what promises have we made to our children that we have yet to fulfill? The health of those relationships depends on our faithfulness as parents. You can explain that to all of your relationships. If you're married in the room, what promises have you made to your spouse? Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this done. Or, or we're going to go and we're going to go do this. And none of it has happened. Be faithful to your word. Jesus said, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. In other words, when you're a faithful person, you don't have to convince people that you're faithful. They just know. They've observed it. They've experienced it. Your track record just speaks for itself. Others will feel confident that they can count on you, and God takes notice of that. The second thing you want to do if you want to cultivate faithfulness in your life is you're going to want to use your talents. Now, God has given each and every single one of you in this room spiritual abilities, talents, and gifts. And you might not know that, and you might not believe that. And maybe at some point, someone in your life said that you are worthless, but I'm just letting you know that God has made an investment in you. And he wants and he expects a return on his investment. Jesus famously said, to whom much is given, much is expected in return. So what does that mean for us? Well, according to Peter, it means that each one of us should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms, which means that by using your gifts and talents in this world, you're actually spreading God's grace. It's incredible. Which also means that if you don't use your gifts and talents that you've been given, others will be cheated. What Peter is saying here is something that I've said from this stage like too many times at this point, but I famously always say, only you can do what you can do with what you have. I use this like twice a year. I just like it. God has given you, as an individual, a unique combination of gifts and abilities and experiences and a history and an education and failures and victories. God has placed you in a unique circumstance and only you have the ability to do what you can do with what you have and where you are. And so if you want to be more faithful in your life, you've got to use your talents. Now I say things like that and I think immediately for a lot of us, we start to think about like this up here, like the, like the stage. Okay? Like, so this is the only way that you can serve God. And you think, well, you know, I'm not as talented as Christian or Jesse or, 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 or Christina. I mean, I can't sing like they can. Listen, faithfulness does not depend on what you cannot do. Faithfulness depends on what you do with what you have. You are not responsible to sing solos for God if he has not given you that gift. Do us all a favor. <laughs> I've heard that, okay? But you are responsible to use the gifts and talents that God has given you. So how can you use you to serve God and other people? How can you harness what God has made you? How can you tap into those unique qualities that he has endowed you with? How can you use your talents where you are? Whether you're a, a teacher or a student, 
whether you're a CEO, whether you find yourself in recovery or in retirement, you are positioned perfectly, perfectly to serve God and to serve others exactly where you are. So if you want to be faithful, start using your talents. The third thing we can do if we want to be more faithful in our lives is we got to learn how to make the most of our time. The one thing you cannot get more of in this life is time. Paul says, so be careful how you live. Live as men who are wise and not foolish. Make the best use of your time. You can do three things with your time, okay? You can spend it, you can waste it, or you can invest it. And the best thing to do is to invest it. Faithfulness really does involve time management. When it comes to wasting our time, there are really two primary methods that I see, at least in scripture, and that is regret and worry. And the irony is that we regret all the time we've wasted worrying, right? And then we worry about all the time we've wasted regretting. And it's just a nightmare. When you regret the past, what happens is you waste huge amounts of time and energy on things that you cannot change. When you worry about the future, you waste huge amounts of time and energy on things that might never happen. And as a result, we waste time and energy that God has allotted to you for this day. To become a more faithful person, you gotta give up what I'm gonna call when and then thinking, okay? And we all do this. We're all guilty. It's when the kids start school, uh, when the kids are done with college, when I retire, when I finally lose weight, when, when my job finally slows down, then I'll be able to serve God and others. We've all said it, right? But God says, be faithful now. Be faithful now. Here's what I believe. And I hope, I hope you find this comforting out there. God understands your schedule. Okay, he does. He really, really does. He understands your schedule better than you do. So with that information, what should you do? Talk to him about your schedule. God, what, what do I need to cut out? God, what do I need to add into my life? Because when you burn the candle at both ends, let me tell you, you're not as bright as you think you are. The truth is many of us need to cut some things out of our life. I believe one of the best ways to start serving God is actually to say no. There are so many of us for one reason or another that jam-pack our schedules. We overcommit and then we underdeliver, And it impacts your marriage, your family, your business, your, your ability to serve God and, and others. And I just think one of the healthiest things that we can do is to take an honest to goodness look at our day and start editing what you're doing with your time. Because if your life is go, 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 from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, if you are choking down dinner at nighttime, if you don't have time for your kids, if you can only fall asleep after three glasses of wine to take the edge off the day, something is off and something is missing. I need to ask God to help you make the best use of your time. It's part of being faithful. Fourth thing that you can do to cultivate and develop faithfulness in our lives, is you can learn how to manage your money, all right? If you wanna develop the fruit of faithfulness, surprisingly, you gotta learn how to manage your money. Because scripture is very clear, God has given you your resources. And how you handle those resources is a test of your faithfulness to him. Now, I've been a Christian 
my whole life, really. I mean, I, I grew up in the church. There was never a day where I really didn't know Jesus. I have now worked in the local church for well over a decade. And in that time, I have learned that there is one topic that makes people squirm. There's one topic that makes people check out. There's one topic that helps folks disengage the fastest, and that topic is money, okay? Now, if you are someone in this room who does, in fact, check out when money is spoken about, I think you owe yourself to ask the question, why? Why? Why do I check out? Why do I immediately disengage from the speaker when they start talking about money? Maybe you disengage because in your experience, you think the church just wants my money. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. There are churches out there who just want your money. And they're going to have to answer to God for that. Okay? Now, obviously, churches run on, on donations. We know this. But sometimes greed takes over, and greed pushes people away from Jesus. And maybe that happened to you. And so maybe you've been burned by a church because of this, or, or you've seen wastefulness or perceived wastefulness of megachurches, and it turns you off. I don't blame you. So maybe you have disengaged because in your mind you think the church just wants your money. But maybe there's another reason you disengage. And that is you just want your money. That, that you're living under the assumption that it's all for your consumption and that everything that comes to you is for you and so you're going to use it on you. Jesus knew that most of us live here. It's why he devoted 30% of his parables to money. Go back and read the New Testament. Time and time and time again, Jesus teaches us that when it comes to your worldly resources, we are but stewards. That even though you worked hard for it, everything that we have from the breath in our lungs, our health to our wealth is on loan from God. You're just a manager, a steward of what God has given you. And time and time and time again, Jesus teaches us that God is watching. He's watching what you do with your money. He's watching how you manage his resources. Jesus said, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? That, and I don't even understand this, that in somehow, some way, how we manage our money in this world affects not only how God can bless us in this world, but in the next world. And so if this is true, and it is, I think we owe it to ourselves to ask, okay, well, am I faithful with what God has given me? Do I pay my bills on time? Am I living above my means or below my means? When I compare my giving with my spending and my spending with my savings, is my life in balance? Am I being a wise manager of what God has given me? The way that you handle your finances determines, to a large extent, what God can actually do in your life. It's amazing when you go back and you look at that. Jesus says that when it comes to your money, to all your resources, he says that we're actually to be rich towards God. This is what he says, rich towards God. What does that mean, Jesus? You go back into the parable that he said this in, in the context, what he means is we are to be generous to those in need. That God not only provided us money to take care of ourselves, to take care of our families, God did not only provide us money to enjoy life, but he also gave us resources to impact other people and to grow his kingdom. 
So with that in mind, how can we be more faithful with what God has given us? One way, Scripture says, is that you can decide to become a, a percentage giver. This is, this is okay, I'm going to pick a percentage of my income to just give away, to, to support what God is doing in this world. I grew up being taught about the tithe. You've probably heard that. That's giving 10% of your income back to God. Percentage giving says, before I fund my life and my kingdom, I'm going to fund God's kingdom. Another way that you can learn how to be faithful to God with what he's given you is to become a spontaneous giver. When you see someone in need, give. Got a little extra? Someone's in need? Share it. When your kid's baseball team is doing a fundraiser, give. When someone is down on their luck, help. Maybe you're out to dinner with some friends. Pick up the tab every once in a while. Use what's been given to you to sow goodwill into this world because you can't take it with you, folks. If you want to develop your faithfulness, you got to learn how to manage your money. And lastly, if you want to develop your faithfulness, you got to do your best at work. The fifth way to become more faithful is to do your very best at your job. Paul commands that whatever work you do, do it with all your heart. Do it for the Lord. Now, I love how he says, whatever work you do. Because a lot of us kind of get into the when and then thinking here. It's like, well, when I get that promotion, then I'll work with all my heart. When I finally land that dream job, then I'll work with all my heart. But Paul says, if you want to be faithful, he would say, whatever work you're currently doing, whether you like that job or not, do with all your heart. Do it for the Lord. Now, faithfulness also affects how we handle that which is not ours, right? Like the company dime, so to speak. Jesus says, if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? For example, when I'm at work, am I as trustworthy with office supplies as if I were the one who were paying for them? If you are someone who's in charge of a budget at your job, do you spend that money as if it were your own or are you careless with it? Do you take an inordinate amount of coffee breaks? Do you show up late? Do you leave early? How you handle things that are not your own, God says that is a test of your faithfulness to me. So whether it's keeping your promises all the way to doing your best work, God will honor your faithfulness. Why? Because he wants you to become more and more like Jesus. So what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time here at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. The truth is, today was one long practical. Five specific things that you can do to live more faithfully. And since you already have your marching orders, so to speak, I wanted to end by reminding you about why you're going to do those things. The motivation behind cultivating the faithfulness in your life. So this week, starting today, as you seek to be more faithful, I want you to reflect back on your motivation. And all you do to be faithful is because God is faithful. From cover to cover, Scripture talks about God's faithfulness. Over and over and over we learn that if God says he'll do something, he'll do it, even if it's impossible. When he says something will happen, it will happen. This is true of the past, the present, and the future. If this were not the case, if God were unfaithful even once, he would not be God. 
and we could not rely on any of his promises. But not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave. God is eternally reliable. God is eternally steadfast. God is eternally unwavering because faithfulness is one of his inherent attributes. God does not need to develop his faithfulness. God does not need to cultivate his faithfulness. God is faithfulness. So let me end today by showing you some of the faithful promises of God, and hopefully they will inspire you to be more faithful. In God's faithfulness, he promises to protect us from evil. We read, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. In God's faithfulness, he promises to set limits on all the temptations that we face in our life. It says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. Scripture says God will always give you a way out. In God's faithfulness, he gives us the greatest promise of all, to forgive us of our sins. John says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So this week, as you begin to find new ways to cultivate and develop your faithfulness, remember, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. Harness God's power to be reliable. Harness God's power to be trustworthy. Harness God's power to be dependable and consistent in everything that you do. Make a difference in this world with your faithfulness. Let me pray for you. Dear Holy Father, I just want to thank you for your faithfulness to this world and to us and to your promises. From the beginning of time, you have promised to take care of us and to save us and to be there with us and to reunite us once again with you. And God, because of your faithfulness, we can be faithful. I pray, Lord, this week you would challenge us, that you would anoint us with your Holy Spirit. Help us, God, to live differently in our relationships, with our promises, with the way that we use our time and our resources. Help us to make a difference in this world because of your faithfulness. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name.